The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS Family Services. The Addiction Recovery Program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the Addiction Recovery Program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 5, Confession. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I'm Elder Ennis, and I am serving as missionary group leader this evening. Uh, we don't have any new faces here, but we would still like to go around the room and introduce one another. Uh, we'll start here at my left with Robert and go clockwise. My name is Robert, and I'm an addict alcoholic. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, Scott. My name is Cammy, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Cammy. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. My name's Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. My name's Rich. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Rich. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm a recovering pornography addict. Hi, Scott. My name is Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who happens to be a full-blown drug addict and a real alcoholic. Hi, Dub. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm a drug addict alcoholic. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Thank you. We appreciate you being here this evening. Would somebody please volunteer for our opening prayer? I can do it. Thank you. Our Father in Heaven, we are grateful to be here this evening and to gather together as brothers and sisters and to learn more of Thee and Thy Son pray that thy spirit will be with us, that we can feel the hope and strength that comes through Jesus Christ, and pray that we can say and hear things that are helpful to one another, and that we can hopefully help others know the true joy and happiness that comes from living the gospel and partaking of the atonement of Jesus Christ, and Pray that we will have his spirit here tonight with us, and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. 
The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assists those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll begin here at my left. Step 1. Admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step two, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight is all about seeking forgiveness. We make a list of all persons we have harmed and become willing to make restitution to all of them. Step nine, wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admit it. Step 11, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ, share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read step Five, starting on page 29, from a guide to addiction recovering and healing. We will go around the room, and each person who is willing may read one to, or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts and feelings and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll continue where we left off. Step 5. Confession. Key Principle. Admit to yourself to your Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. A common characteristic of many who have suffered from addiction is a sense of isolation. Even in a crowd or while engaged in activities where others might feel a sense of connections, we felt like we didn't fit in. As we came to recovery meetings, we began to emerge from the emotional isolation in which addiction thrived. At first, many of us just sat and listened, but eventually we felt safe enough to speak and share. Still, we kept many things to ourselves, shameful things, embarrassing things, heartbreaking things, things that made us feel vulnerable. 
We did honest and thorough inventories in step four, but that was a private experience. We were still left alone with the shame of the past. Not until we took step five were we able to throw off the shackles of our isolating secrets and gain some perspective on ourselves and the past. Confession began a process of disclosure where we shared expressions of remorse with friends, family, and others. It was a part of an ongoing effort to repair and reestablish broken relationships. Confession also involved seeking forgiveness from the Lord through prayer and through any necessary priesthood channels. We found it best to take step five as soon as possible after completing step four. Postponing it would have been like acknowledging an affected wound without cleansing it. Step five seemed overwhelming, but as we asked the Lord for help, he gave us courage and strength. After reviewing our inventories, we confessed to our bishops anything that was illegal or a sin or a misdeed that would have prevented us from having a temple recommend. This disclosure to proper priesthood authority was an essential part of recovery and healing. We also selected another trusted person to whom we could disclose the exact nature of our wrongs. We tried to select someone who had gone through steps four and five and who was well-grounded in the gospel. We began the meeting with prayer to invite the Spirit, and then we read our inventories aloud. The individuals who listened to our meetings often helped us see lingering areas of self-deception. They helped us put our lives into perspective and avoid exaggerating or minimizing our accountability. Writing our inventories was like recording hundreds of separate scenes from our lives. In Step 5, we had a chance to see our lives unfold, scene after scene, in a flowing narrative. As we did, we began to recognize patterns of weaknesses that had influenced our choices. We started to understand our tendencies toward negative thoughts and emotions, self-will, fear, pride, self-pity, jealousy, self-righteousness, anger, resentment, unbridled passions and desires, and so on. These thoughts and emotions were truly the exact nature of our wrongs. In completing Step 5, we demonstrated before God, ourselves, and another witness our commitment to a new life based firmly on telling and living the truth. Although Step 5 was one of the most difficult steps to take, we were encouraged by the counsel of President Spencer W. Kimball. Repentance can never come until one has bared his soul and admitted his actions without excuses or rationalizations. Those persons who choose to meet the issue and transform their lives may find repentance the harder road at first, but they will find it the infinitely more desirable path as they taste of its fruits. We have experienced what President Kimball taught. Once we honestly and thoroughly completed Step 5, we were left with nothing to hide. We outwardly demonstrated our desire to give away all our sins so that we could receive a greater knowledge of God's love and the love and support of many good people who rallied around us. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Bill, would you continue with the action steps? The duty of all persons is to confess all their sins to the Lord. Bible dictionary confession. More serious transgression must be confessed to proper priesthood leaders such as the bishop, while only Lord can forgive us, these priesthood leaders 
play a critical role in the process of repentance. They will keep our confession confidential and help throughout the process of repentance. Be completely honest with them if we partially confess, mentioning only lesser mistakes, we will not be able to resolve a more serious undisclosed transgression. The sooner you begin this process, the sooner you will find the peace and joy that comes from the miracle of forgiveness. Use great care and wisdom when seeking someone other than a priesthood leader to whom to disclose your wrongs. Do not share such sensitive information with individuals you suspect might extend improper guidance, provide misinformation, or have difficulty maintaining confidences. Those with whom you share your inventory must be extremely trustworthy in both word and deed. Let peace come into your life. President Brigham Young cautioned members not to disclose sins unnecessarily. When we ask the brethren as we frequently do, to speak in sacrament meetings. We wish them, if they have injured their neighbors, to confess their wrongs, but do not tell about your nonsensical conduct that nobody knows of but yourself. Tell to the public that which belongs to the public. If you have sinned against the people, confess to them. If you have sinned against a family or a neighborhood, go to them and confess. If you have sinned against your ward, confess to your ward. If you have sinned against... One individual, take that person by yourselves and make your confession to him. And if you have sinned against your God or against yourselves, confess to God and keep the matter to yourselves, for I do not want to know anything about it. Occasionally you may observe individuals in recovery meetings or in other situations who seem to rehearse continually their sins and shortcomings or the sins others have committed against them. They are always confessing but never finding peace. Do not confuse Step 5 with an obsessive desire to dwell on negative things. The intent of Step 5 is exactly the opposite. We take Step 5 not to hold on to the things we confess, but to begin to distinguish evil from good for ourselves and to choose good. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Robert. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert, and I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hey, Robert. It's good to be with you. I'm honored to be among you, I promise. Uh, I cannot even begin to tell you the, uh, the profound effect that Step 5 had on my life. Um, most of my recovery, Steps uh, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, I was able to do in that miserable jail cell. And uh, everything just came together at Step 5. It's... If there's a miracle step for me, it's, it's step five. Um, I, I wanted relief. I, was, I had come to a point where the torment, both, both mentally and physically, emotionally, spiritually, was just about to, just overwhelming me. And um, so I said, well, okay, step five might be a good thing to do. And uh, in those days, they had a, a branch president in the uh, Salt Lake City old metro jail. So I made an appointment, and uh, the night before I had the appointment, I made a, a full confession to my Heavenly Father. And um, 
subsequently the next day I made a full confession to the branch president. I was really worried about it, so it took quite a while, and I don't I think I probably put in a lot of stuff that maybe didn't need to be there, but I really wanted it to be complete. And the most amazing thing happened. Because that's when the uh, That's when the miracle occurred in my life. From the minute that confession took place, um, all that weight that we carry around with us, all the shame and the guilt and that sack of rocks, if you will, just was gone. Just immediately it was gone. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And not only that, the desire to use, you know, I came in hopeless and hopelessly addicted. And from that moment, I have never, in 16, 16 and a half years now, since I've been clean and sober, I've never once had a, a desire or a temptation to use. And for somebody that was in the condition I was, that's, not, that's a flat-out miracle. And the other giant surprise... Uh, biggest surprise of my life was that at that same time, I really felt in my heart that the Lord had forgiven me. Now, if I if I gave you the list of all <laughs> if I gave you the list of all my sins, you would say, "How is that possible?" And that's the question I had: How is that possible? And I couldn't believe it happened, but you know, it did. You feel differently. You 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 know that that's what occurred. I just literally sat in amazement for days on end as to how that could happen. For me, the atonement, in, in many ways, for a long time, I think, was an abstract concept. I didn't get it. And uh, I am just so grateful that I had that experience. It changed my life, and it changed my heart. We talk about acquiring a new heart in this program, and that's what happened. Uh, when I walked out of there, uh, I, I wasn't the same person. My wife hardly recognized me. My kids certainly didn't recognize me. And I think I probably ran about as fast as I could to my bishop stick presence offices and said, look, we've got to get everything straightened out because I, I want to get my temple blessings back, and I want to get my membership back, not just... My temple blessings. So what I did that greatly aided my recovery at that point was I said, look, you know, I'm just going to suit up and show up. I couldn't take a sacrament. I lived in a ward where everybody knew me, knew what I'd been doing. But I had no trepidation whatsoever about showing up at, on Sunday. And I showed up every Sunday, all three meetings, couldn't participate, but the best thing I ever did, it took about two weeks before the ward had embraced me. And if they had some difficulties with me, I wasn't going to let it bother me. That was going to be their problem, but I, I never noticed it. Uh, to learn for the, maybe the first time in my life what the atonement means was just a blessing that I could hardly even uh, express. Uh, Elder Bednar... Uh, in a recent regional Salt Lake conference, some of you may have heard his talk, uh, talked about the atonement. He says, um, 
You know, most Latter-day Saints understand the atonement uh, cleanses us from sin. And he said it's, it's sad to see that members of the church don't understand that the atonement allows us to do things that otherwise we cannot do for ourselves in our fallen mortal state. And so, you know, the atonement goes far beyond just that confession and the forgiveness of sin. We have lots of challenges in our lives that require the power and strengthening power of the atonement. I testify of it, express my gratitude for this great blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. I don't think we had anybody join the meeting late. So we will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery. This week's step or the step you are currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is, inter- which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We will conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting for final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share for three to five minutes. Otherwise, I will give you a signal that you've used your full time for sharing. In this meeting, we'll proceed in a clockwise person-to-person. Who would like to begin the sharing? Hi, my name's Steve. Hey, Steve. Steve. I'm a drug addict, alcoholic, but more importantly today, I'm a love child of God. Um, This step um, was extremely difficult, but it was was definitely the most powerful step uh, uh, that that I have done. Um, Like I said, I... I, I was able to do a few of the steps in uh, behind bars. Um, so, so when it came time to do this step, um, I had to do what's called uh, fly a kite to the to the mission president there in the Salt Lake County Metro Jail, because um, you, you 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 can't get anything in there unless you uh, fly a kite. And what that is is you write on a piece of paper and you turn it into the officer. And you just have to wait. Um, leading up to that, I had read several books on forgiveness. I was reading uh, in, in this manual. And uh, uh, thank goodness for, for library in jail because uh, life would have been really tough. Uh, I was able to get uh, the miracle of forgiveness from, from Spencer W. Kimball uh, from the library. And I, I began to read that. And as I was reading it, I was like, yep, that's me. Um, and I keep reading it. Yep, that's me. <laughs> so, I mean, everything in that book, I swear he was writing it just for me. Um, I made it about halfway through it. And the spirit moved on me and I knew exactly uh, what I needed to do. Um, because there was so many, 
so many chains and 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 so many things that that had me bound um so back to the the part where I flew the kite um inside the county jail every time the door door pops it makes a loud clink um so uh waiting for the mission president to come in to to talk to me i had a million things going through my mind one day i was going to tell him everything the next day i was going to tell him nothing uh but it was it was the longest two weeks i think <laughs> i have ever lived uh, every time I'd hear that door plop, it'd go clink, and then I'd be up, standing up, looking out my window. It didn't matter if it was 3 o'clock in the morning. So it was uh, a lot of anxiety. And like I said, I mean, there was days I was willing to say everything, and then there was days I was I was reserved. So one day, it was uh, Sunday afternoon. We had Sunday school, and uh, I, w- I was laying in my cell, um, and then I hear that door clank, bing. <laughs> I look up and there's a gentleman standing in a in a suit, um, and I just I, I knew it was time. Um, the uh, the officer uh, pushed the button and the speaker came on in my room and said, "Do you have a visitor?" <laughs> so I I went down into the room there, and uh, it was a multi-purpose room. And uh, it was Elder or uh, President Jeffs, I believe. But uh, I, I went into the room with him, and uh, he says, "What can I do for you?" I says, "Well, um, there's some things I need to get off my chest." Um, at this point, I was I was scared, but but Heavenly Father was helping me through it. And he says, well, uh, let's begin with the open, opening prayer. So we had a prayer. And after the prayer was over, I opened my, opened my mouth and things just started falling out of it. And next thing you know, I was bawling and he was in tears. And it was, it was one of the most powerful experiences I have ever experienced in my entire life. I never thought for a million years that I'd be able to to confess all my sins to anybody because I've been trying so so hard for so long to to keep those things a secret. <laughs> but here I was saying, telling him everything. And uh, I got through him. I just knew he was going to, uh, you know, say you're excommunicated. The church wants nothing to do with you. There's no forgiveness for you. That's not how it went. Uh, he... Uh, he began by saying, you know, the, the Savior forgives you, and, and the church also forgives you. Um, he says, you need to go see your bishop when you get out of, out of jail. But he says, uh, uh, what are you going to do now? And uh, you mean I had to think about what to do next? <laughs> yeah. So me and him worked on a, a game plan on, on what I was going to do after I got out of jail. And uh, thank goodness for that council, because that council gave me direction, and, uh, and my life is so good because of it. Um, I, was, I was definitely a beggar before God that day, and uh, I'm, I'm still a beggar before God. 
Um, when I walked out of that multi-purpose room, I had to have been floating about three feet above ground. Um, the three months that I was into or in jail up to that point, uh, I didn't I didn't really sleep a whole night. I slept maybe two three hours a night max. That night I closed my closed my eyes. I was at complete peace. I slept eight hours for the first time uh, there in Salt Lake County Jail. Um, the power that I felt that day and, and the, the, well, the redeeming power that I felt that day and the Savior's love and unconditional forgiveness that I felt, um, uh, let me understand the, the atonement. Um, uh, what happened in the Salt Lake County Jail, um, is, is the reason why I consider the Salt Lake County Jail holy ground for me. Um, I met my Savior. Um, that, that is our Savior's character, forgiveness, compassion, and, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, I know if uh, the Savior can clean up this leper, uh, heal all my wounds, uh, he's more than willing to do it for, for any one of us. And I just bear witness to that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Um, right now, I'm not really on step five at this point. Um, the past 24 hours have been kind of a blur for me. I'm working on step three this week. Well, as of 24 hours, I've just... Um, last night, I I was laying in bed, and I decided to check my email one more time. And, well, I hadn't checked it all day long. And there was an email from a missionary in, in our district that... And she said, we just wanted to let you know that, and she said somebody's name had died on Sunday. And as I read the name, I just kept thinking that, you know, that can't be my friend, you know, that can't be the person that, you know, I met when I first started coming in, coming to these meetings, and we, we both We both tried, you know, to get sobriety together, and eventually that wasn't working because we were actually started to use together, and we eventually uh, separated, and I went my way via the Utah State Prison, and he continued on in his addiction. And... So, step three for me is about turning my will over to God. And as I laid there in bed last night, I couldn't sleep till about three. I just kept thinking, you know, why? Why did Heavenly Father spare me and my friend? He didn't get that luxury, and 
the, the spirit whispered to me that it's, it was about humility and and literally, I guess, really about step five, you know, admitting that, admitting to someone else that we've got a problem. And, you know, my, my friend couldn't, could never do that. Even when I was in prison, he wrote me letters and he still, he still would never acknowledge that there was a problem. It was just a matter of, how can I do this without overdosing? You know, how can I, how could I legally do this? And I'm so, you know, tonight I'm so, I've had a heavy heart, you know, this past 24 hours, and I'm so grateful and humbled that there's the, I have a testimony of this program and that I have a testimony of the atonement of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and that I understand that that there is hope, and that I don't have to make that decision to use, and I don't have to to go back there because there's other options out there. And for me, sobriety has been the greatest gift that. Heavenly Father's given me because I know for a fact that if I was not arrested in April of 2004, I would have been in the same position that my friend is in. I would have not survived this addiction. And I don't think I would have ever been able to quit. And so I feel grateful that Heavenly Father did to me what he did to Alma the Younger and, and the sons of Mosiah and that he snatched me out of my awful, sinful, and polluted state. And with that, I'll say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. My name's Cammie, and I'm a recovering addict. Um, this step was really important to my daily sobriety um there's a question in the study and understanding and it says or it asks how would you be how would your behavior change if you were only concerned about looking good to god and um definitely when i was in my addiction um especially i think with like uh, my eating disorder all i cared was what other people thought they thought, um, like I was, if I was skinny or fat or if I was, um, I just thought what people thought of me. And if I, um, I always did things to, um, please other people. And, um, that, um, changed when, um, I, when I turned my will over to Heavenly Father and now it's all about, what does my Heavenly Father want for me? And um, I was really, really, I really didn't want to go tell my bishop all my things for my set for. And um, I got the courage to do that from going to the meetings and just little things that everyone said. And then especially one time, 
one of the missionaries said uh, at the end of the meeting, he, in more words or less, he just said that when we go to confess to our bishops, they're not there to judge you. All they're there to do is, you know, to listen to you, to give you, like, support, comfort you, and then to give you guidance, like Steve was talking about. And that gave me a lot of um, comfort, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And um, so that gave me the courage to do that. And um, when I did it, um, I definitely could feel, like, the weight um, being lifted off my back. And um, I remember I, like, confessed my list, and I had one thing that I just didn't want to mention because it, it was from when I was a little girl, and I had been carrying it for so long, and it was really embarrassing to me. And I remember my bishop asked after we talked a long time, he was just like, is there anything else? And then I told him, and he was like, um, we talked about it, and then he said um, something like, Cammie, you don't, not, you don't need to worry about that anymore. And I just remember feeling so much relief, and um, I felt really excited, too. And um, it doesn't really—well, it kind of talks about this, but um, what's really important in my sobriety is just um, telling not only just, like, one person— not really just about all the mistakes I've made, but about my addiction. Um, of course, well, my parents didn't find out till I was up for my first year in college. And I think a lot of um, addictions are just about secrecy and just you don't want anyone to know. And if, um, at least with my eating disorder, no one knowing, no one no one could help me and it was really easy to lie about it and the more people that knew um it was kind of like if i mess, if i relapsed or messed up again they might ask me and i would have to tell them again and it was kind of like i wasn't only letting myself down um i was letting them down also and um it's just that's been a really big part of my sobriety, and um, I'm not really ashamed of it anymore. Um, I kind of sometimes I get offended when people talk about like weight loss and stuff because I think I have more respect for my body now, just because our bodies are temples, and that's why we have them. Um, and me and Scott, we go to um, temple prep at, in our ward. And um, the other week we were talking about guardian angels. And um, I really have a testimony of guardian angels and just that they're here surrounding us. And um, they're here to help us and um, if we let them. And I know that confession is a really big part of um, overcoming it. Um, the more I kept those secrets inside of me, I just wanted to act out on my addiction to make me feel better, make myself feel better. I'm really grateful for um, the things I've learned from my addiction and this program. And 
I'm grateful for my Savior and that my life was important enough for him to um, atone for my sins. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Kenny. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict alcoholic. Hey, um, my step five was, I think, a little bit different. Last week I talked about with step four that I did my step four a few times, um, and I chose to hold on to it. Not because I wanted to or I loved it, but <laughs> because I didn't know how to let go of it yet. Um, and I did the same thing with step five. And it talks about that in here, about not going over it. That's not what this step is about. Um, but I did do that. And so I, the first time I did my step five, I was in treatment. And it was a really good experience. And through that process, I definitely felt the Lord um, right there in the room with me. I definitely felt his forgiveness, his love. Um, I know, I knew in that moment that he loved me so much and that he already knew about everything that I had ever done. And, um, and it was an awesome experience. But I still had a hard time um, forgiving myself. I really had a hard time forgiving myself. I wanted to keep beating myself up over it. And I think it was because it was really the easy thing to do at that time. I didn't know anything different, and um, I felt like I deserved it. So I held on to that, and I did my step five with actually two or three bishops. <laughs> um, I did it with one bishop when I was in treatment, and then that bishop was released, and I got another bishop, and I did it with the other bishop, and um, I moved again, and I ended up, I think— going over my whole step five um, with three different bishops. And a while later, I moved again, and I decided at this point that I really wanted to go back to church, and I really wanted to start making changes, and I had been going to these meetings for a while at that point, um, and I knew that I needed to do something different. And so I decided that I was just going to let it go. You know, I had gone over step five. Nothing had happened. They said that it was okay, that the Lord loved me which I knew. Um, it was really just about me forgiving myself. So at that point, I decided to let go of it. And at that point is when I realized that I was totally free, and I felt that weight lifted off me um, so much, and I felt free and peace for the first time ever. I did go to that bishop, and there was one thing that I actually had left out of everything else, <laughs> um, because I didn't think that I could I didn't think I could be forgiven for it, and I didn't think that I could stop it because I was still doing it even in sobriety. Um, but I went to my bishop, and I, I told him about that, and I told him that I wanted to go to the temple, and I told him I wanted to go back to church. And, you know, he looked at me, and we set up a plan, and, you know, he said I was forgiven for that too. And from that moment on, I never had to engage in that, that behavior anymore, and I haven't since that day, um, which is about almost a year ago now. Um, and I'm happy to say that from that moment, I started going to church every Sunday, too. Um, from that moment, everything in my life started to change. I've been to church every Sunday. I'm going to the temple for my very first time next Friday. <laughs> and I am so excited to go through. I never, ever, ever thought that I would be in a place um, to be able to go through the temple and to be able to take all my friends with me, all my guardian angels, like... Um, Cammy talked about, I have so many angels in recovery that have helped me along the way, um, facilitators and missionaries, and especially the missionaries in the jail. I just love them. I still <laughs> talk to them and pray for them, and I'm just so grateful for them. So I'm so excited to see all of them there. Um, I just, yeah, step five was awesome for me. It was a really good experience. 
if we think that our sins are worse than others, I have this analogy. I heard it a while back, and I really like it. And um, if we all have a boat and we're, you know, in the ocean and are, we have a whole bunch of holes in the boat, some are bigger than, than the other people's, you know, I feel like my holes are pretty big. I feel like yours probably aren't that big, <laughs> but, neither, but nonetheless, we still all have holes. We're all going to end up drowning. One person might drown first, but we all are in need um, to be rescued. We all need help. We all need our Savior to rescue us. In the song, I Stand All Amazed, it talks about um, him descending from his throne divine to rescue a soul so rebellious and proud as mine. I am so grateful that he sunk below everything so I could rise above all of my struggles. And I am so grateful for this program. And I definitely have a testimony of step five and the power that's in it. Um, My only thing for me is to remember to forgive myself, and that's my advice for anyone else that hasn't done it at this point. It's not about beating ourselves up and hashing it out over and over and over again. Um, We get to go to our Heavenly Father and and talk to Him about it and to our bishop, and then we get to let it go, and we don't have to relive it ever again. And that's the power of the atonement. And I love each and every one of you, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Karen. I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Karen. I feel like I really missed out because I never went to jail. And <laughs> all you guys have these great jail experiences. And seriously, I I have a long way to go. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Um, I've been going to the meetings for over six and a half years, and I'm not using, but I have a long way to go. And I hear your stories, and I feel your strength and your testimony. and I went to church all along through the whole addiction and never stopped going to church. Never, Nobody knew what I was doing. Um, I had a very convenient, illegal way to get my drugs that I didn't get caught. But um, when I went to treatment the first time, I, I think I mentioned here in an earlier meeting, I went because somebody else told me it was time for me to go. And I didn't really think it was time for me to go yet. And I went through steps one through four there in treatment. And then they set up uh, my step five for me. And I went and read my step four to a Catholic priest that they set up for me. And my group had told me what a wonderful writer I was. So, of course, I tried to make my step four as impressive as possible so that the Catholic priest would be so impressed with my writing ability. And I did a really, really good step four and read it to him and went on my way and got out of treatment and relapsed a few months later and ended up back in treatment again. And it wasn't until that next go around in treatment and the, the subsequent feelings of surrender, needing to surrender and powerlessness and all that, that I finally (laughs) did the steps the way we're supposed to do them and actually did my step four and five for the right reasons and, and didn't care how they sounded, but talked to my priesthood leader at that time. And I, I have felt that power of release and forgiveness I don't know that I've gotten to the point like you were talking about with forgiving myself. I still have weaknesses and I still struggle. And I have a really hard time 
letting go of my weaknesses because I'm not perfect and I still make mistakes. And even though I'm not using, it's just, I have, I'm not perfect and I need to, I need to not quite expect so much out of myself, but, um, it's a struggle and I do still have times when I want to use and so I'm probably not the right person to be here today giving <laughs> out words of hope, but I'm clean. I mean, and I guess that's a reason to be hope, to have hope, but it's a struggle and it's a process. And one day at a time, I'm figuring it out, I guess. But I really, really appreciate the strength of your testimonies. And the power of, I feel, the Savior's love for you and you and everyone here. And I just need to persevere and figure it out for myself. I'm still working on it. So I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Karen. Hi, my name is Rich. Hi, Rich. I am a child of God and a recovering drug addict, and uh, I'm very grateful to be here uh, with such an amazing group of people. I I have learned some uh, amazing things through this step. Um, one of the things that I am so grateful that I learned, and I, I don't know why I didn't understand this concept before, but was, was praying um, for forgiveness myself. Uh, for the little things, for the things that I felt that I needed forgiveness from my Father in Heaven. And I'd grown up in the church, had all of the the lessons I'm sure I, I paid close attention to. Um, but for some reason, that, that portion had escaped me um, of of really understanding that concept of, of just praying and, and asking my Heavenly Father for forgiveness for the things in which I had done wrong. The other piece um, that I'm grateful for and, and had an amazing and wonderful experience was going in and, and meeting with my bishop and the approach that I I felt prompted to take was if there was any question in my mind as to whether or not I should talk to my bishop about it, I was going to talk to him about it. If there was even a doubt any little thing um, that I I wasn't sure if that was something that you should talk to a bishop about, I talked to him about it. Um, and that was a very freeing experience, uh, going through that process, receiving counsel and, and guidance. Um, I had an experience about two years later. Again, I learned so much from my children, but we were driving home from church. My little boy has these three candies in his hand. I'm like, where did you get those? Uh, knowing where he'd got them, the bishop in his office has this bowl of candy, and I believe he puts that in there so the kids are comfortable in coming in and talking to him and that. And uh, I was pretty sure he didn't give him three. And I asked him, he said, uh, yeah, I got them from the bishop. I said, does the bishop know that you have those? He said, no. And I said, well, then you took him, you, you stole him from him. And I said, well, next week we're going to gonna go talk to him about that. 
And uh, so after church, I found my son in the hall, and I said, are you ready? And he said, ready for what? And I said, you know what. You know exactly what. Uh, And he goes, okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. So I held his hand, and I walked him down what I'm sure to him seemed like the longest hallway uh, that there ever was. He was dragging his feet real slow, and he stood at the door uh, of this bishop's office and knocked on the door. This whole time I'm standing there holding his hand, and he looks up at me with these tears in his eyes, and he says, Dad, I'm scared. I'm so scared, Dad. I don't want to do this. I said, I know, son, it'll be okay. And he knocked on the door, and the bishop opened the door with this big smile on his face, so happy to see him. And Fox looks up at me, and I just smiled back at him and said not a single word. I let go of his hand, and I stood in the doorway. He walked into the bishop's office, and he said, Bishop, I have something to tell you. I took something from your office. I took some candies from you. And I stood there and watched this little boy so afraid and tearful. And the love that was extended to him from this bishop and the forgiveness that was extended to him. But my view and perspective this time was vastly different. I felt that same presence as the father watching my son. And it made me smile to know that my father in heaven had walked me down that same hall stood at the door with me while I knocked and watched and watched over me through that entire process. My son came out of that office. He looked at me with this big smile on his face and said, I did it, Dad. And he ran down the hall and he jumped, raised his hand up and was trying to reach the ceiling to touch it, only a few feet tall. And I thought to myself, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I was grateful for that perspective because I'd seen the other side. I'd been the one who was knocking on that door and and walking through and asking for forgiveness. But my son had taught me that lesson of that joy uh, and that forgiveness and that process. I'm grateful for that, that lesson. I'm grateful for the atonement of Jesus Christ, and I'm grateful for the Savior holding my hand through that entire process. I bear my testimony that the atonement of Jesus Christ is absolutely real. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Rich. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm a recovering pornography addict, been uh, struggling with finding sobriety from this plague for the last 35 plus years. I, a little bit differently, have been confessing for decades. I think I've mentioned in here before, I i don't know that I could even count, but well over a couple dozen different bishops, military leaders, elders quorum presidents, brothers, sisters, too many to mention. So unfortunately, when I got to this step, it was, it was, it was probably too easy. Um, and again, I love to write, so the writing wasn't too difficult either. 
But I learned something nonetheless doing this step. I, I think I mentally had thought there wasn't anything special about a bishop accepting my confession and being accepting and loving and supportive because they're supposed to do that. It's their calling. I didn't, however, think people beyond that priesthood mantle would be as supporting and as loving. When I did give my read my uh, step four, um, it was to someone that was virtually a stranger, but something was a little bit different. It wasn't hugely powerful, but it was just this person isn't like making strange faces. They weren't acting really unusual around me. They weren't, I could tell there wasn't a lack of acceptance there. There was still concern. There was, there was a, a genuine hug. There was, there was love there. And I didn't really expect that. I felt like I was kind of checking off a box again. I've got to confess, so I'll, I'll do that. But it, it felt different. And, uh, my other experience with confession was after, again, many years of my wife knowing I had a problem, anytime she asked me how I was doing, I would own up to it. But again, I never offered. I never came to her and said, I'm having a problem again. And then the one time I did, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, and she decided she was done. And... There it was that priesthood leader that asked her to give me another chance that all those years they had been just checking off boxes because they had to. Well, he didn't have to tell her to do that this time, and, and she decided to, to, to hang in there a little bit more. So I have a lot of poignant feelings around that particular confession and, and, the, and the support that, that priesthood leader gave me at that time. I'm grateful to have finally learned after all those years that confession doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be accepted anymore. I, at this point, I guess just being here and amongst, again, not only all you, but wherever this might go and anyone else that might see it or hear it, I'm, I'm kind of beyond the point of worrying about what people think. And I'm I guess I just am more concerned about what the Lord thinks. I've read a book. It talks about the importance of being vulnerable, about being open, about being and burying your soul, basically. And again, it talks about how important it is in order to really feel loved you have to offer your whole self. And that's what I'd been missing all those years. I hadn't been offering my whole self because I didn't really think if someone knew that whole picture, they, they could love me. Of course, the bishop had to or at least had to show up, but I didn't think anyone else would. Since I've been kind of got past that point, I've, I've shared my story with a lot of different people and... I can honestly say I have never felt more loved. 
the one thing I thought would separate me from people has been the one thing that has drawn me to people. It's brought me more friends. Well, let me change that. It's brought me friends because I don't feel like I ever really had friends before that because they didn't know me and I wasn't giving myself. I wasn't trusting them with myself. So it's brought me friendship. It's brought me an ability to feel loved. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, I have to thank, in a strange way, my Heavenly Father for my addiction because I had the same feelings of lack of worth and those esteem issues before I ever had the addiction. So had I not got this addiction, had I not finally learned how important it is to share myself with others, to trust others with that part of myself that I thought was so unlovable, I don't know, I may not have ever learned that I could be loved. And so I'm grateful for that. I am grateful to my Father in Heaven for loving me. One of the things that's been so helpful for me in doing that, in in learning of His love, is just opening my eyes and being more aware of what He does for me on a daily basis. Someone told me of just a process of, I think I've probably said it well in here, of just forcing myself to notice six things to be grateful for every day, writing them down, writing them down, just kind of habitual check off the box again because it's supposed to heal the brain. Well, in that process, I came to learn how much my Heavenly Father has been there and has loved me all along when I thought I was on my own, when I thought I didn't deserve His love. And again, that's been so huge for my not only sobriety, but more importantly, my my recovery. And I bear witness of that love that he has for me and for each of us. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Scott. My name is Dub. Hi, Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who has multiple allergies. I'm allergic to alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography, lust, lying, cheating, stealing, conning, manipulating. Anytime I spend too much time on any one of those addictions, my calendar starts for it's only a matter of days, weeks, at the most, before I break out in handcuffs. So I try to stay away from those now. And as long as I do the footwork, my uh, eldest brother has covenanted with me that if I will do a bunch of prayers, a study period first thing, uh, if I do not have study period first thing, If there is no chaos in my mornings, I will create some. So that's why I find it imperative to to pray first thing. I put my shoes under the bed so when I'm down there getting them, I have to pull them out. And that reminds me to pray and then to study. And then if I go out and and do the studying and and do my footwork, uh, working the steps... Uh, 
I leave the uh, 130 meeting uh, without any any temptation whatsoever to use that day. As long as I do my step work, footwork, whatever, the Savior will do the rest. And that is so comforting to me because I have been such a mess my entire life, up and down and yo-yo and uh, just always kept my three beautiful children and my wife waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's been 13 years since I have uh, partaken of any of the research in my addictions. And that's truly a blessing in my family. And these meetings has changed my life like nothing else could. This, This was the wild card in my life. Had I not found this program, I would still be out there bumbling, stumbling, and breaking out in handcuffs. So I bear my witness that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ and that he is with us here tonight. I have felt his embrace, and I have heard the still, small voice of the Holy Ghost. I always do. And that's the most powerful thing. That's what I'm addicted to now. So it's wonderful getting to know each of us participants in this program and the unconditional love that that leads us. And I say that in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Doug. Thank you so much. This has been a powerful experience for me, and I'm sure it has for you as well. Lorenz, we're going to give you the last word. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> this group, it's pretty tough. You're good, you it know? is. It is. It's, I'm sitting here wondering what can I do or what can I say to add to, to the meeting. Uh, personally, um, and this isn't crosstalk, thank you, Robert, for the spirit that you introduced uh, with your sharing. And subsequently, each one of you... Uh, for the sharing of and the bearing of your souls. Um, I, I concur with Dub. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is here with us this evening. Um, and I'm grateful uh, that uh, we have the Spirit here with us today. Um, concerning step five, uh, my thoughts on step five, it's... It's really the cleansing step. Um, It's the liberating step. Uh, It's the opportunity to take advantage uh, of a very important principle that our Savior has given us in confessing, um, going and talking to our our bishop, uh, stake president, mission president, whoever it might be, it's a humbling opportunity. Uh, it's a horrifying opportunity, uh, but it's a necessary opportunity that we need to take advantage of. You know, and as 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 I sat here listening to each one of you tonight, um, there's some heavy souls in here tonight, um, and I fully believe that the 
cleansing and healing power of Christ uh, that is with us uh, can lift and can buoy up and can can speak peace and bring solace to uh, wounded souls. Uh, there's a couple scriptures that uh, I feel impressed to share. Um, I always like to turn to the scriptures. I always like to turn to the words of our prophet, our prophets, or our prophet and apostles. Um, uh, but as they relate to step five, this confession process, um, in Mosiah chapter 4, uh, verse 9, uh, I'm just going to read a few verses out of uh, Mosiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. It says, Believe in God, believe that He is, and that He created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that He has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. And again, believe that ye must repent of your sins and forsake them, and humble yourselves before God, and ask in sincerity of heart that He would forgive you. And now, if ye believe all these things, see that ye do them. And then going over into uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 64, verse in verse 7, it says, I, the Lord, will forgive sins unto those who confess their sins before me and ask forgiveness. Once again, I, the Lord, forgive us, excuse me, I, the Lord, forgive sins unto those who confess their sins before me and ask for forgiveness. Um, there's a principle here and there's also a promise here. Um, as we humble ourselves and as we go before the Lord, even to a bishop, he is, he represents the Lord. As we go before the Lord and confess our sins in prayer, as we go before a bishop and confess our sins to a bishop, uh, there is a promise. And that promise is, I, the Lord, forgive sins. That's the promise. And that promise is real, and I testify of that promise. I testify of the Savior and His healing power. I testify of the reality. Uh, once again, nobody has gone beyond His redeeming power. Nobody has traveled beyond its bounds. There's a reason that the Savior's atonement is referred to as infinite and eternal. Infinite and eternal in all directions. There's nobody who has descended below it. There's nobody who has ascended above it. There's nobody who has gone beyond his reach or the power of his atonement's reach. And I testify of that. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about uh, concerning step five, because it's, uh, it's, it's very important uh, that we go to the Lord and we confess, but there's some promises that have been given. Uh, there's a talk by Elder Packer. October General Conference 2010. It's called Cleansing the Inner Vessel. Uh, there's a couple items in here that uh, I would like to share. Um, Elder Packer says, There is something very liberating when an individual determines on his or her own free will 
to be obedient to the to our Father and our God, and express that will, willingness to Him in prayer. Later on in the talk, he goes on, and in reference to uh, individuals who are confined, uh, he says. Every soul confined in a prison of sin, guilt, or perversion has a key to the gate. The key is labeled repentance. If you know how to use this key, the adversary cannot hold you. The twin principles of repentance and forgiveness exceed in strength the awesome power of the tempter. If you are bound by, ha- by a habit or an addiction that is unworthy, you must stop conduct that is harmful. Angels will coach you and priesthood leaders will guide you through those difficult times. And then speaking specifically about our priesthood leaders, he says, The priesthood has the power to unlock the influences of our habits, even to unchain from addiction, however tight the grip. It can heal over the scars of past mistakes. I know of no more beautiful and consoling words in all of Revelation than these. Behold, He who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. Sometimes, even after confession and paying penalties, the most difficult part of repentance is to forgive oneself. You must come to know that forgiveness means forgiveness. End quote. So, this step five confession, uh, going to the Lord, going to the Lord through our priesthood leaders. It is a key step that needs to be taken. Um, Many testimonies here tonight specifically speak about its liberating power and influence and how a soul can be freed even immediately once confession, true confession, has taken place. I testify that confessing to our priesthood leaders, confessing to the Lord, going before Him in prayer, is an essential step in recovering from any addiction. Don't fear it. Don't be afraid of it. Recognize where the fear is coming from. Satan doesn't want us to go and receive that redeeming love, that redeeming power, that redeeming liberation. He wants us to fear going and talking to a bishop, going and talking to a friend, going and talking to a confidant. He wants us to fear those things. Understand and recognize where that fear is coming from. Wad it up in a ball and chuck it and get in and talk to your bishop. You'll be received. We have testified that we are received with loving, open arms, Uh, the same loving, open arms that the Savior has for each one of us. I testify once again of him, of his love, of the, of the power that he possesses to deliver. He is the author of liberty in all of its forms. And I humbly testify of those things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential and that the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. 
We also recommend using the studying and understanding and action step sections between meetings to build on what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. Would somebody please volunteer to offer a closing prayer for us? I will. Thank you. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so humbled and so grateful to be gathered here together as brothers and sisters in recovery. We're so grateful for this spirit that has been so strong here and for we're so grateful for the atonement as well and for the enabling power and um, the ability to become so much more than we are because of it. So grateful that we're able to attend these meetings and that they're all over now and that they're easy to get to and so grateful for all our many blessings, and we're grateful for each other and the support that we're able to give to each other. We ask thee that we might be able to have thy spirit and be able to take it with us tonight and be examples to all those around us. And we ask a special blessing upon the, the people out there that are still suffering, that they might be able to find a meeting and make their way to a meeting and gain of the blessings that are here to receive. And we say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.